Hello and welcome to the St. Mark's podcast. Whether you regularly join us at church on Sundays or you're joining us for the very first time, we hope that this week's talk inspires you and draws you closer to Jesus. There's some Bibles on the table if you'd like to pick up a Bible. I've also got it up on the screen. So we're going to take a look and it's John chapter 2 verses 1 to 11. And I'm just going to, here, here we are, okay. If your eyesight's not that great, um, have a look at the Bible, or just listen. I'm going to read it out for us. And uh, it's Jesus changes water into wine. So that's uh, John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had been invited To the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 80 to 120 liters. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And he told them, draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down from Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. Throw an extra verse on the end there for good measure. Well, it's good to see you uh, again. Hope you're doing well. Um, I hope you've got some refreshments from the break. That is the beauty, of course, of having refreshments in the middle of a service. You can sort of stock up on shortbread and biscuits and hot chocolate, and uh, they can keep you going. But do not worry if you're thinking, oh, I didn't really get anything. I'm feeling a bit peckish because I have got here popcorn. I thought, hey, let's have some popcorn in the middle of the service. So, um, And I assure you, I've got plenty of popcorn for everyone. So just by show of hands, actually, uh, if I get some popcorn going, who, who would like some popcorn during the service? So just, Matt, would you sort of just glance over and just sort of get a, a recce of sort of how many you think we're doing? It's pretty much everyone. It's okay. It's okay. I tell you, it's got plenty. We're all good. I just wanted to make sure we're prepared, which is why I've got the microwave here. Okay. That's right. You can stick your hands down. You think you've got an idea. I'm just going to whack in the, what did you say, Matt? 220. Here we go. 220 people, yeah, here we go. Okay, right, I'm going to leave that going there. That's fine. Okay, happy days, happy days. So, we mentioned on the video, we're in this new series in the morning looking at Philippians, and it's called New You, and it's really about what difference does Jesus make in our lives? Uh, The evidence, if you like, for the new life that we have in Christ. And it got me thinking, 
Well, actually, what I'm going to say is, I'm not talking about Philippians tonight, but I thought, hey, let's stick with the new you. I want to talk about new abundance tonight. Uh, But thinking about the difference that Jesus makes in our lives, it got me thinking about the Jesus I like best. The Jesus I like best. I mean, Jesus, the personality. Jesus is pretty well known, pretty famous. uh, And I'm sure we might all have a favorite version of Jesus. Are you with me? I mean, I don't understand how Jesus hasn't become sort of like a, a toy franchise. You know, there's like um, the baby Jesus. He's like cute and cuddly. Uh, no crying he makes, apparently, according to the Christmas carol. I find that hard to believe. Uh, then you've got the, um, the super friendly Jesus. Loves everyone, never ever in a bad mood. And then you've got uh, miracle Jesus. He can walk on water. That's quite fun, especially at bath time. Um, and then uh, you've got the sometimes angry Jesus, uh, just when fighting injustice, never angry, out of turn. Uh, then you've got clever Jesus, who uh, regularly outwits the Pharisees. He's quite fun. Uh, and then you've got bearded Jesus. That one's quite self-explanatory. Uh, and then there is party Jesus. Yeah, party Jesus. Oh yeah, we just read it. Jesus likes a party, and in this one, the bar tab is on him, plenty to go around. And we could leave it there and add party Jesus to the list of Jesus' personalities, Uh, and it makes for a sweet little story, the sort of Jesus we might want to talk to our friends about. Hey, have you heard of Jesus? You know, he's he's great, he's cute and cuddly, and he's so sweet, and he's never angry, and he loves everyone, and, and he loves a party. Only if that's all that Jesus is, some sort of, I don't know, circus act, a personality that makes Jesus likable to a wider audience, then is Jesus really good news for us? Or is he just, I don't know, a decent role model and someone to be wowed by? Hey, Jesus, he was a, he was a great guy. I mean, I like Aunt Bessie for her Yorkshire puds, but I have no desire to follow her with my life, to trust her with all that I am, or to sing about her, although that's not impossible, but that's a separate point. For some, Jesus is likable, but perhaps it ends there. Let's revisit this event, this wedding in Cana, and here we see that Jesus is more than just a personality. Here we see Jesus beyond just party Jesus. So Jesus is at this wedding, and weddings are a pretty big deal, especially in this sort of Middle Eastern first century culture. I don't know if you've ever been to a big party before. I mean, like a really big party, maybe a wedding or a milestone birthday. Um, Well, maybe it wasn't as big as this big deal wedding. You see, it was attended, this wedding in Cana, uh, most likely by the whole village and then some. So the whole village rocking up at the wedding and then some of those from out of town as well. And you'd need to be pretty well equipped to pull it off or have an absolutely epic wedding planner. This was a big deal in every sense of the word. Now, of course, there are certain things you need to pull off a big party like this. Uh, Good food, music, decorations, uh, a huge budget, and wine. And wine was kind of a big deal in this culture, too. But it wasn't wine as we might know it. That's the microwave reminding me. (laughs) 
Uh, it's not wine like we might know it. It was more likely to be sort of like um, watered down, uh, a sort of on-the-go drink, an alternative to water. They didn't have Evian. Uh, the water wasn't very pure. So wine was the sort of safe go-to drink. Uh, Diet Coke hadn't been invented. That sort of took over, I guess, a little later down the track. Uh, but it wasn't so much the quality of wine that mattered at these events, but the quantity of wine. You see, you needed enough uh, for everyone at the whole celebration. And by the way, this wasn't like a, a wedding you might go to where it's sort of a 12-hour stint from church through to the reception and so forth. This was most likely a seven-day event. So you need enough of this wine to last everyone seven days. And everyone needed a drink in their hand to enjoy the festivities. Okay, how many was it for popcorn? Just a show of hands again. It was quite a few, wasn't it? Okay, right. Let's uh, have a look. I'm sure. Sure I've done enough. Sure I have. Okay, let's have a quick look here. Um, this one, very quickly, is yeah, sweet and salty. Is that Okay. Um, okay, just wonder, actually, you guys at the front, would you mind handing, handing it out for me? Is that okay? Just come and, come and grab some of these. I said I'd make enough for everyone, so we're good. We're good. Okay, one, two, three. Was it, it was more than four, wasn't it? Slightly awkward. Uh, sorry, who wanted popcorn again? Yeah, okay. I'll tell you, I'm just going to put these down here and you're going to have to share them out amongst yourselves. Uh, okay. I thought the packets were bigger. That's, what do they call it? Shrink, shrinkflation. Is that what they call it, where the packets have got smaller because of inflation? Yeah, okay. Um, well, this is awkward for me. Um, I've run out of popcorn. But, um, but imagine how awkward it would have been to run out of wine at the wedding at Cana. In the day, it was a sacred duty to offer hospitality. And so to run out of wine was not just awkward, it was shameful. It was shameful to run out of wine when you're hosting a party like this. And it would have led to long-term humiliation for this poor host family. So it's a weird thing, isn't it, to read this first miracle starts with this sudden panic at this wedding. It's because a family's reputation is at stake. They're about to be shamed by the whole community. I mean, everyone was there. You weren't, it didn't need to make the local press. Everyone was there. Everyone would have known what had happened. Just imagine what the neighbors would say. Now, I hope you're not going to hold a grudge against me for um, not delivering on the, on the promise of popcorn. Is that Okay. Oh gosh, don't look at me like that. <laughs> you know, there are often times in our lives when we aren't able to pull things together in a way we wish we could. Even with the best intentions, we all have our limitations. I can think of more than one occasion when I have overestimated my ability to deliver on something True story, I quite like DIY. Um, I think I'm okay at it. I'll have a go at plumbing. I'll have a go at electrics. I don't really touch gas, um, but I'm willing to, to have a go. And one day I was in church, not this church, another church. I was in church in a, in a meeting and I noticed that the um, radiator at the front of church had gone wonky. And I thought that radiator just simply needs pulling back onto its bracket. So I thought, I can do that, Sim simple job. So I went up and I grabbed the radiator and as I went to pull it straight, uh, it, 
popped off the pipe. Um, I say popped off. Uh, it wasn't a normal central heating system. There, there wasn't a small flow of water. This was an underfloor heating system, very high pressure. And all I can say is the fountain was remarkable. In fact, it probably shot a good 25 to 30 meters in the air, which, if you were watching, probably was quite fun. But if you were standing there with a radiator in your hand, was quite embarrassing. I thought, I, I, I can fix this, this is okay. So there I was, getting rained on in quite hot water, uh, trying to reattach the radiator to the pipe. And uh, even in the end, I uh, have to admit, although I managed to just about get the pipe back onto the radiator and it remained wonky, I did have to say, I think we might need to call a plumber. Uh, but I did spend the morning with a wet vax uh, <laughs> drying out the carpet, which was very clean by the time I'd finished. Um, but we all have limits, uh, even though um, <laughs> we think we might be able to achieve things, we're sometimes left wanting. Sometimes the limit is set by our bodies. Our health or our physical shape is not up to the job, and that might be frustrating. Sometimes the limits we face are set by our mind. We might lack willpower or confidence in ourselves. We face anxiety or depression or become pretentious or overconfident. Sometimes our limits are set by our social circumstances. We don't have the finances, we don't have the resources, the connections, the opportunities, the influence to achieve all that we might want to. And then sometimes our limitations are spiritual. We're limited because of a sense of unworthiness, or we're crushed by our sin and wrongdoing against God and others. Maybe we find it hard to come to God, even though we've been told he forgives when we come to him in repentance. Perhaps we struggle to grasp our place in the world and find it hard to believe that we are truly known and loved by God. And in all these things, we can be left feeling inadequate or even ashamed and empty. We all have our limits. We all run out of resources. But this is where Jesus comes in. At the wedding in Cana, Jesus isn't a personality. He is personal. He's not another personality, but he is personal. Being notified of the impending embarrassment by his mother, and you don't say no to your mother, she comes to him on behalf of the host. She says the wine has run out, and Jesus steps in, and he delivers what we read to be the first of his signs in verse 11. So what does Jesus do? He instructs the servants to take six of the large ceremonial jars that are used for washing feet and hands. To give you an idea of size, they held 20 to 30 gallons. So that is about 10 or 15 of these jerry cans each. They're quite large, uh, stacked up here. And he goes and he says, go and fill them with water. And uh, that would be a normal custom for the washing of hands and feet. And then, and then he says something really odd. He says, now fill them with water and then draw from these, these, these vats, these, these vases, some water and take it to the MC. And uh, this could have been embarrassing, really embarrassing. I don't know what the servants are thinking, but they kind of go with it. Remember, this is, one of, this is Jesus' first sign. So it's not like they're like, this guy, he knows how to perform a miracle. They're just listening to him. His mother, you know how much authority she's got. She said to the listen to him. And they do it. 
Is it because of Jesus' authority? Is it because they're scared of Mary? I think it might be the latter. But they go for it anyway. And with trust and faith, they listen to Jesus. And giving the MC this cup of what could be dishwater from this jar, what do we see? Wow. What do we see? Wine is served. Wine is served. Not any old wine, not the watered down wine, not the cheap wine, but the rich wine, the expensive wine. This is a new abundance. This is a number of jars now filled with the finest vintage. It is seriously impressive. But for his premier miracle, his premier sign, we might expect something a little more I don't know, impressive maybe in our own eyes. Maybe the sick healed, the dead raised, or something noble like that. But instead, Jesus chooses to very quietly save an ordinary local family from hurt and shame. Note that John says in verse 11 that this was the first of his miraculous signs that showed his glory. And it was actually no different to any other sign that we become familiar with in the Gospels and life of the Spirit-filled church. This miracle in Cana, this transformation of water to wine, was just as important as every healing that took place, every person set free from a demon, even the dead being raised. And it might leave us asking, well, what, what does it mean by sign, the first of a sign? A sign is a coming together of heaven and earth. It is God's perfect kingdom reality coming into a hurting and broken and limited world. And a sign reminds us that we are known by God on a personal level. Every healing, resurrection, mass feeding was personal. And this is no different. Jesus was not performing circus acts. He was meeting a person where they were at with an invasion of heaven to earth. When Jesus performs these miracles, he looks at the people and he loves them. And heaven breaks through. Jesus steps into this awkward situation at this wedding where someone has reached their own human limits Maybe they hadn't ordered enough. Maybe they'd run out of cash. But a miracle is done out of great love because it pleased Jesus to do it. It pleased Jesus to do so. You know, when the human resources run out and we call on Jesus for a sign, we too can discover a new abundance. I just wish I could make amends on the popcorn situation. I'm pleased to say I have got some more packets. So afterwards, if you feel hard done by, I'll make you some popcorn. You know, those six jars used for religious cleansing in the passage, used for the water, the number six was symbolic of imperfection. Seven was the perfect number. Six has its limits, rather like us. We have our limits. But Jesus takes six jars of religious cleaning and does something new with them. He fills them with wine that is poured out for many, for every guest to have more than enough, an abundance, to literally taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 34, verse 8. Later, Jesus would take 
wine and pour it for his friends, saying this in Matthew 26, 28, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. In other words, God's promise, God's covenant is that each one of us of every age and ability, as limited as we are, just as we come, may have a new abundance because Jesus performs a miracle sign for us. God's kingdom is breaking into our limited lives. Heaven is colliding with earth and we can know this miracle of his limitless love. Each one is personal because you are loved beyond measure. You are loved abundantly, not for what you have achieved, but because of what Jesus has achieved for you on the cross. You have a restored relationship with Father God, fully forgiven and fully free. What an abundance he has for you. I just wonder tonight, where have you hit your limit? Where have you been left wanting? Where have you tried, but you've just thought, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. Let me just ask you, a bit like Mary said to Jesus, or said to the servants on behalf of Jesus, what do you need Jesus to do for you? What do you need Jesus to do for you today? Because the good news is Jesus is more than a personality. He's personal and he loves you. He'll take our six old jars, our imperfections, our limitations, our limits in our bodies and our minds and our spirits, and he'll offer us far more than we can ever achieve by ourselves. He can make us new, and we can know his abundance today because it pleases him to work a miracle in our lives. Because with Jesus, there isn't just enough. There is more than enough, more than enough for you more than enough for me. There is more than enough for Grimsby. Why don't we take an opportunity to respond and to ask the Holy Spirit to minister to us, to our empty wine cellars, to our place of limit, to the place we've been left wanting, to the place we may feel embarrassed, and to pour out for us all that we need. Can I invite you to stand? I'd love to I'd love to pray for us. I'd love to pray for you. Just as we come. And I just wonder, maybe just in your heart, in your mind, just bring before God the place you feel limited in. The place where you just think, I can't do this. I can't do this by myself. I don't know, maybe you actually feel that sense of embarrassment because, I don't know, you've suddenly realized, I don't think I can achieve everything I thought I could. Maybe that's been part of your experience. You've been left feeling embarrassed because you thought you could do something, but it didn't quite work out. Maybe you started something and kind of flopped. But you've just heard that Jesus wants to work a miracle for you. He actually wants you to, to have a new abundance. He wants you to have the best, not the watered down stuff.
And the Holy Spirit, you are the best. You are the best. And without you, we're dishwater, really. That's all we've got to go by. But you, you turn dishwater into the finest vintage, into the, the richest, the finest, the greatest resource. So we ask, would you come, Holy Spirit, and work a miracle for us? Just speak over every everybody, every mind, every spirit. And in our limitation, may we know the abundance that Jesus offers us. May we know the abundance of his love. I'll just pray, Lord, do you just pour out that abundance of your love again?